Hello, everybody. I'm calling you to talk about the coronavirus. And if it sounds different, if the audio sounds a little altered, it's because I'm talking to you on my phone, like I actually called you. You know, those white Apple headphones that you see everywhere? I'm walking in my neighborhood talking to you on my phone because this coronavirus we haven't been here before have we and this sense that we are in a moment before the moment we don't know where this is headed do we it's like we haven't been here before this is the moment before the moment we don't know how big this monster is the lights haven't been turned on yet. And that creates a dis-ease in our shared life together. It's a rupture in the collective unconscious at some level. Now, uh, obviously people have already died. Obviously people are in quarantine. Uh, I just heard from an emergency room doctor in Seattle who's in like ground zero in America for the virus. By the way, shout out to Dr. Matthew, uh, sending you all kinds of grace and peace and love. But just feeling in his email what it was like, this isn't the moment before the moment for some. This is, it's already in, it's already happening. But for many of us, if you're like me, this is still, uh, this is a cloud on the horizon. This is... Uh, a massive wave that's about to crash on shore and we don't know exactly what's going to happen. So what this dis-ease does is it's like it's ambient in nature. And, by, and I use this word ambient because if somebody comes charging through your house with a gun, if somebody demands all your money on the street. If somebody physically attacks you, that's very straightforward and direct. That's a threat that comes at you in flesh and blood. You can see it. You can see its shape and its form. But this threat, this terror, we don't yet know essentially its form. It's literally airborne. So it, it exists in the air right now. And... It's in the air, literally, but it's in the air. It's like it's something that you can feel, you can sense, and yet it doesn't have the same kind of shape and form that most threats have. So for every one of you who find yourself on edge, find yourself jittery, find yourself with a low-grade dread, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's totally normal right now. We're in the moment before the moment. And the moment before the moment, whatever it is, hasn't yet revealed its shape and form. And so it creates in you this sort of low-grade panic. Uh, perhaps you find yourself just like twitchy, jumpy, right? Easily set off. And you can't quite name it and you're wondering what's wrong with you. Ah, I'm calling to tell you 
that you are not the only one. We are all going through this at some level. Yeah, this is the moment before the moment. We are all intimately connected. There's an endless web. We were at our friend's farm recently, and my friend Matthew was taking us uh, on this tour, and he was talking to us about how trees have these roots that run great distances under the ground that you're walking on. And he said sometimes a tree won't have the minerals that it needs to continue growing and flourishing, so it'll send out a message through its roots to other trees of what minerals and nutrients it needs. And other trees, sometimes great distances away, will receive the message that this tree needs these particular nutrients, minerals, and will send what's needed to that tree. And he was articulating this vast, infinitely complex web of relationship between trees and how they're constantly sending information back and forth, as well as nutrients and whatever is needed for full flourishing. So when you see a tree, it just looks like a tree, and there's another tree, and right now I'm walking down the street, and there's a tree here, and a tree there, and there's two palm trees right there, and they appear to be independent standing entities, um, but what we know is that they're all intimately connected and talking to each other. So when there's a coronavirus outbreak on the other side of the world, and yet you find yourself not sleeping that well, a little on edge. It isn't just that you've seen reports in the news. It isn't just that you and your friends have been talking about this. We are deeply, powerfully connected with each other. So there is the disease and then there is the dis-ease. And this is an important distinction to make. You can be sick you can have an illness, you can have a diagnosis that is literal, factual, medical, but then there is also a whole nother thing sitting right beside it, which is everything that your particular world, culture, tribe attaches to that disease, the dis-ease that comes with a disease. So, we uh, think of a historic example. You think about the 80s when we first heard about HIV AIDS. That was a clinical, medical diagnosis of an ailment that people were beginning to have. So there was HIV AIDS, the disease, and then the diagnosis. But then there was the whole world of assumptions and associations and judgments and fear surrounding the dis-ease surrounding the disease. So we have this coronavirus. We have people who've been diagnosed with it. We have people who have died with it. But then sitting right next to it is all of the things that we attach to it. This foreboding sense of vulnerability. This sense that this modern world that is more sophisticated and advanced than ever is actually also incredibly fragile. 
that we have generations now in which we have been inventing new ways to keep ourselves safe. And yet, in this moment, what is revealed to us is our lack of safety. And that's terrifying. And so, for those of you who are like, what is going on? What's going on is there has been a disruption in this web of intimate, intricate life that binds us all together. There is an agitation in this network of vitality that holds us all together. And you can feel it, right? Are you like me? You can feel it. Something is off. Something is shaking. It's wobbly. It's frailty has been exposed. Yeah, we're living in one of those right now. Now, normally, we have enough ways to keep the pain at bay. We have enough ways to numb ourselves. We have enough ways to paper over the cracks that this sort of existential dread, because the dread, for some of us, this dread, maybe for you, the dread about the coronavirus actually brings up all sorts of other dread, existential dread. By that I mean dread about the very fabric of this universe that we call home. What kind of place is this? Is it a cold, dark place? Or is it a place of love and safety? These are the big questions at the heart of existence and generally especially now in the modern world we can stay a step ahead of those we've got enough new netflix shows are you with me on that we have enough numbing agents that we can hold those questions down but then you get something like this something unknown some new monster lurking on the horizon and suddenly they all come up so if you have found yourself it's not just the virus it's an overall sense of vulnerability, fear, and panic about life itself. It's totally normal. In the same way that when uh, like a celebrity dies and you find yourself overly affected, you may not even have been that much of a fan of their work and yet you're strangely moved and you can't figure out why. Or when Princess Diana dies and there's a few flowers in front of Buckingham Palace and then more flowers and then more flowers and then like hundreds and hundreds of yards of flowers and you quickly discern that this isn't just the loss of Princess Diana. Remember that feeling when everybody's like, what is this about? This is about all of our ungrieved grief. So whether it's a princess or whether it's a musician or an actor or somebody, uh, when Kobe dies and those with him and his daughter, there's this outpouring of grief, but also mixed in with it is all the grief that we haven't grieved. It's like the one loss becomes a catalyst to open us up to all the losses that we haven't let ourselves grieve. So sometimes what happens is something like this happens. And this is new, what we're headed into with this virus. Is this dread drags up all these other dreads that we've been sort of holding down. 
all of these existential fears about who am I and what am I doing here and the fleeting nature of life and can it be taken away this quickly? Like, what, what are we doing here on this ball of rock hurtling through space at 67,000 miles an hour? If you have found yourself the past couple of days or weeks looping, repeating like the voice in your head constantly chattering about meaninglessness, about the frailty of life, about what does any of it signify? Yeah, totally normal in days like these. I'm calling you to tell you that all that stuff racing through your head, you're not the only one. This dread may be kicking up, dragging up, exhuming all sorts of other dread. So it can be terrifying. It can be like it sort of paralyzing, like I don't even know what to do. But you can also see hiding in it this invitation to face it all. To not just dip your toe in it, but to go swimming in it. A friend of mine was telling me about it feels like so many things around him right now are shaking. Relationships around him. And I was thinking, of course... Because you can paper over the ruptures and cracks of life in reasonably good times. We have enough ways to do that, to keep going. It's like the system can kind of keep adding duct tape here and there to handle the stresses of the journey. But then a stress comes that's simply too great for all the ways you've duct taped the thing together. And now it just can't handle it. And so this can be absolutely terrifying. And yet lurking in it, you can feel your way to a new invitation. Well, if this system isn't working, could I imagine a new one? If this way that I've been trying to live that isn't working, I've just sort of been patching it together, well then... Could I just drop it and let it go? Which would be painful and shocking and very disorienting. But then, maybe I could come up with a whole way of doing it. I say this at a personal level, but also at a much larger communal level. Because you and I are living in a system that has been marinating us in uh, one of the ways you could call it, I think you could call it the cult of the individual, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We are roughly, what, 400 years into this grand experiment in the rise of the individual. Your rights, your needs, your preference, have it your way, your ideas, your assumptions and opinions, your guns, right? This system that we've been in, you think about, what, 400 years ago? Rene Descartes, the great philosopher, says, I think, therefore I am. This was a major, major moment in the history of Western civilization because you had this emergence of, I don't need anything revealed to me or to us. I think. I can reason my way to it. And so with this came all sorts of extraordinary 
new breakthroughs, a scientific method, hospitals, airplanes, the phone that I'm talking to you on, innovations, breakthroughs. We have been the recipients of this incredible explosion coming from the individual liberated to fully explore and create an event and invent. But what it also did at a deep, deep, deep level is cut us off from each other. What we lost in that, because every time you gain something, you'll lose something, is we lost this profound sense. Pretty good, thanks. Uh, we lost this profound sense that we are all intimately bound up with one another. So we have these individual bodies made of cells, but then we are each a cell in a larger body. Family system bodies, political bodies, we are intimately bound up with one another. And what happens when something like this coronavirus comes on the scene is it alerts and activates ancient primal truths about how deeply connected we are with each other because this system has raised us to be individuals who consume. By the way, have you seen the past couple of weeks, the New York Times? The headline is not how many people have got the coronavirus or who have died so far, right? The first headline is what? How the market is doing. Right? Have you noticed that over and over again? The headline each morning is how is the market doing? And then the second or third outline headline is a report on what new cases they are and new deaths that have happened. Can you see how deeply the individual who consumes has become the new god of the age? It's the cult of the individual who consumes. And what that's done is cut us off from people who are present to each other. And then this virus comes on the scene and suddenly something that's happening in Italy, something's happening in China, something's happening in Seattle directly affects you. That's a truth that has existed the whole time. But we have been so inundated and bombarded and marinated in a particular world that gave precedence to the individual who consumes that we've lost the fact that we are, before anything else, a cell in a larger body, a human being inhabiting the planet with other human beings. So if you have found yourself, and this is why I'm calling you, being reawakened to some sense that we're all in this together, like really in this, like whatever's coming our way, it's coming towards all of us. Yeah, yeah, and once again, you can see how this is both terrifying and yet has an invitation lurking within it. An invitation to be together in new ways. An invitation to sit with each other and be present with each other. Because this thing is going to break up our rhythm. And what's happened in this world we live in is it's more, 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 more. More new TV shows, more work, more consumption, more, more, more. And now what we're hearing is that there may be a break in the rhythm of life. 
Now, obviously, in ancient cultures, you built in breaks. There was the Sabbath one day. There was the one day out of the week. There was the year of Jubilee, which the intention was every seven years, everybody's debts are forgiven. You get a brand new start. Yeah, so you can see in ancient wisdom was that there are these rhythms where you stop and everybody backs up and takes a breath and takes a break. And it's like you jolt the system with an ending so that there can be new beginnings. But we have been living in a particular culture, individuals who consume, that just keep consuming, just keep pushing, just keep going. And now we're hearing that a number of things are being canceled and we're being told more and more and more that we're going to need to stop for a little while. My son just appeared, my older son, just appeared yesterday at the house. He's like, yeah, UCLA, send everybody home. So I'm home till at least April 10th. So yesterday, my entire family, by the late afternoon, are all hanging out in the kitchen on a Tuesday. Now, this is a horrible virus that's killing people, but in the midst of it, we're together in a time and a place that we wouldn't normally be all together in the same place. So we have no idea what's coming. This is the moment before the moment, but you can feel it's already jolting the thing. It may wake us up to each other. It may wake us up to the pace of life. If we literally can't, can't gather, can't stay on the treadmill, who knows what may be lurking that. You know that thing when you left your cell phone somewhere and you panicked and you said, my whole life is on that phone. And the person said, well, I'll be driving by your house. I'll, I'll bring it by in whatever, five hours when I'm in town. And so there was that, remember that? Remember that gap where you didn't have your phone and you felt kind of helpless at first, right? Like the adrenaline was pumping and you were like, ah! And then you sort of eased into it. Well, I'll just return all those texts when the phone gets dropped off at home. And so you had that window where you literally couldn't stay online. And you just had to be. Remember that? And honestly, you kind of liked it, didn't you? It was really good for your nervous system. Or you had that thing planned on Saturday, and then it got canceled. And when you heard it got canceled, your first thought was relief. Like, oh, suddenly I have a day free. And it felt like an incredible gift. Now, you could have just had a day free and not said yes to the thing, but... It was forced upon you, and you loved it. Your first thought was, oh, we have a whole evening, we have a whole day free. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, we, if we don't create these rhythms, they get created for us. Sometimes for good reasons, and sometimes for really, really, really scary reasons. So, there may be in all of this an invitation to disrupt the endless push and drive 
this shock to the system that we're all just feeling the outer front contours and edges of. There may be an invitation lurking in it to stop and pause. I swear to you, every single city I've been in in the past few years, every single time I'm with people and people are just talking about whatever they want to talk about and asking about whatever they want to ask about, every single crowd, everywhere, there are multiple people who want to talk about rest. And what they generally voice is some sense that this machine doesn't know how to slow down and everything is just getting faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And it's like this sense that it's not sustainable, like it's headed towards a cliff, like it's like a suicide machine. And now what we're being told, even this morning, front page of the news, was all about you're going to have to change your life for a little while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is incredibly frightening. But you can also read it another way. You're going to have to change your life for a little bit here. So I'm calling you to tell you all the stuff that this coronavirus is dragging up and all of your feelings like, what is wrong with me? What is going on here? I'm calling you to tell you we're all in this. We're feeling it too. None of it's that odd. All the stuff you're like, wow, I am just like jittery, I'm a little anxious. Yeah, 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 everybody is. Kids, kids haven't learned how to push all this down. Kids haven't learned all of the numbing and coping mechanism, so they just feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes they're the ones teaching us. They're the ones telling us what's happening inside of us. Especially as you get older in life, it's easy to just get really good at pushing all that down. But then your kid voices it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I have that too. Yeah, yeah, let the kids teach you. Someday school isn't canceled, but you have to cancel it yourself. You know what I mean? Not out of fear. Not of, I don't want you to go to school because I don't want you to get the virus. No, out of love. Out of, oh yeah, you're feeling a little off? So am I. Let's do a snow day. And the sun's shining and it's 84. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's all part of it. So I called to tell you I'm in it with you. Called to tell you we're in the moment before the moment. And the moment before the moment sometimes is more terrifying than the moment itself because when the moment arrives, you at least then know what it is. And it brings its own horrors, but at least you know what they are. But this right here, this is the moment before the moment. So may you, my brothers and sisters, May the grace and peace of the Christ be with you now more than ever.